Thanks, Kevin. Uh, so if you've got your Bible with you, or if you haven't, put a hand up and uh, one will appear. We're, we're continuing our uh, series through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're in uh, Matthew 5, chapter 5, verses 21 to 26, um, and uh, Jesus uh, talking uh, to us about what it is to live a Jesus uh, lifestyle. It's actually entitled Murder in uh, my version of the Bible. It's not going to be teaching on how to murder. It's going to be how to avoid it. Uh, which is good. Uh, Christian response to anger and frustration is the title of the sermon. So put a hand up if you need the Bible in Matthew 5, uh, verse 21 to 26. And let's remember that uh, the preamble to this was Jesus went up on a mountainside and the disciples went uh, with him and he he sat down and began to teach them. And he taught them with a view that they would be changed. And we don't want to be just informed, we want to be transformed. Um, informed, we won't really make a difference to the world. Transformed, we really will. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you'll remember that it, it didn't say the disciples were amazed, it said the crowds were amazed. So we've got this wonderful picture of the church where Jesus is at the centre, the church, the disciples are around him, and he's still at the centre, but around them is the world, and the world looks on. So we need to live these words out and be a great witness uh, in his world. So Matthew 5, uh, 21 to 26, if you're there, um, uh, these are words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fall, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. I'll tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So it sounds quite condemning, doesn't it? And uh, I think probably in my life I've called someone a fool and I've been angry with them. So what does that mean? Am I in danger of the fire of hell or you? Uh, we've got to explore this and see uh, what goes on. But certainly Jesus has words for us. In a world that seems increasingly angry, I mean, you don't have to look far to see anger. Uh, I saw anger on the drive down uh, to the church this morning. You know, a car in front of me got cut up and you know, he's bibbing his horn and all the rest of it. It's all around. But I've got a, an illustration. You might have heard this before. It's quite a popular one. But there's a young girl who had to write an essay for school. Uh, they tend to make you do that sort of thing. And uh, one of the questions were, which she said to her dad was, Dad, well, I've got to write this essay. What's the difference between anger and exasperation? Right? What's the difference between anger and exasperation? The dad replied, well, really, it's mostly a matter of degree. Let me show you what I mean. And he picked up the phone. He dialed a random number. Someone answered. He said, hello, is Melvin there? There's no Melvin here. Look up the number before you call. Put the phone down. Very annoyed. So the dad said to his daughter, that man, that's a man not being happy. He's not happy. She said, okay. He said, now watch this. I'm going to show you a man who gets angry. So he called the same number. He said, hello, is Melvin there? Look, you've just called. You're wasting my time. I've already told you. No Melvin lives here. Stop wasting my time. He slams the phone down. The dad says, now that's anger. He says, now let me show you what exasperation means. And he dialed the same number. He said, hello, this is Melvin. Have there been any calls for me? (laughs) (laughs) I noticed on Facebook um, a few weeks ago, there's a Billericay discussion page, and I noticed on Facebook they were appealing for witnesses uh, because there'd been a road rage incident on Norsey Road. Norsey Road is one of our posh roads. 
And you think, they don't do that sort of thing. So it must have been someone driving through. That's all I can think of. <laughs> but it was apparently it was very violent and nasty. And of course, you know, something happened in a, in a blink of an eye. People have got really annoyed. And people can turn on a sixpence. Ten minutes later, they're wondering why they reacted the way they did. But the damage has been done. I've seen in my broken career, traders literally smash screens with phones. You know, it's an incredible sight. And two minutes after, they say, why did I do that? You know, because it comes out of their salary. I've seen literally chairs thrown across a dealing room in anger because people can't keep control or they don't want to. In our relationships, anger can rise up when we don't get our own way or if we feel that somebody has maybe slighted us and, you know, uh, not treated us in the way that we think they should. could be a small thing, but we can get angry. Even in church life, I've witnessed and seen anger, sometimes rage, uh, maybe uh, sometimes in important things and circumstances, but it's a total overreaction. I mean, I loved our last church meeting we just had because we, as, uh, as Kevin said, uh, we voted in some leaders, we took some decisions, we shared what we believed God was saying to us, and there was just a lovely spirit of unity uh, about it. Those that were there would know that, and those that weren't, um, you should have been. Um, but, but it's lovely to see that unity, and the Bible says where there's unity, the Lord bestows a blessing. So we're blessed, because we have unity, we want to keep that up. So we don't want to get too angry with one another. There are certain things we get angry about, but what is Jesus saying here about anger? Is all anger wrong? What about constructive or righteous anger? We know that Jesus got angry, so what does these verses mean? How should we handle our anger? I bet all of us have been angry at some point. And when we read this passage, you think, wow, I'm I'm condemned. Yeah, this is really bad. Jesus, in verse 22, do you see it there? But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Now, some manuscripts add the words without cause. So that would read, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will uh, without cause would be subject to judgment. But they weren't in the earliest manuscripts that have been found uh, in this gospel. But arguably, and commentators do argue about it, uh, that was the uh, intention of Jesus. It was a correct interpretation. Uh, Not all anger is wrong. It's good to be angry about some things. Jesus got angry in Matthew 21. He overturned the tables of the money changers because they were charging too much for the, uh, the things that people had to buy to take into the temple to be sacrificed. They knew they had to do it, so they were charging them too much. And he got angry and he overturned the tables. Physical. Can you imagine if I did that in the church? What do you mean you charge someone for a cup of tea and I overturn? I don't think I could overturn the kitchen. I'm trying to think of anything we have out that I could overturn, but there isn't anything. So I haven't got a good illustration. But imagine if I did that. You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. So I'm not going to. Um, Matthew 23, he called the Pharisees. He said, you blind fools. He just said, don't call anyone fool. In Mark 3, seeing stubborn hearts and a lack of compassion for those that were marginalised, it said Jesus looked at them in anger. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. Now, according to 1 John 4, the character of God, and we need to be clear about this, is love. There's such a thing, though, as righteous anger. In the Old Testament, there's 20 different words for wrath, and between them, they're used somewhere around 580 times. The prophets and the psalmists speak about the anger of the Lord. We know that God can get angry. But the character of God is love. Nowhere, do you know this? Nowhere does it say anywhere God is wrath. It does say God is love. But his anger comes out of his love. It's part of his holiness, his reaction to the things that we do wrong, the way we can mistreat people, the reaction to unfairness, to oppression, to abuse. Do I think God is happy with all these refugees? Or do I think he's angry that they've been thrown out of their country, looking for a place to live? Otherwise, if he's not angry 
uh, about things, then it means he doesn't care. And what sort of God is that? If I don't care about sometimes the state of the world, if I don't care, why did Jesus say at the beginning, you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world? And remember we said the salt was used to preserve the meat and the light brings light into a dark uh, room. So where we say, well, the world's getting darker and it's getting worse, really we've got to ask ourselves, well, where's the light? Where's the church? Well, if the world is in decay, then where's the salt? Where's the church? We've been called to be witnesses. And we know that the character of God is love. But it's his reaction to sin is where his anger comes out. Otherwise, he's an uncaring God and just really doesn't care about oppression or abuse. There is a place for righteous anger. Maybe it's against terrorism, abuse, abuse of children, abuse of anybody, murder. As I say, in fact, a lack of anger can reveal failure to love and care for a fellow human being. So, anger is there. We're talking about the wrong kind of anger and righteous anger. It can be used for good. If you take one letter out of good, what do you get? You get God. Uh, God, William Wilberforce, uh, used righteous anger. He channeled his passion towards abolishing the slave trade. He used that anger, that sense of injustice that he, he believed was from God and got that changed. We need men and women today who will see evil for what it is, rise up, get angry about it and preach about it and act and be driven to do something about it as they go about being sought and light into the world. The challenge is to make sure it's channeled in the right way and that we don't we don't sin or do things wrong because we're angry. We've got to still do things the right way. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, in your anger, do not sin. It means not reacting badly. If you see injustice and you feel like, well, I'll think I'll cross the road and beat the living life out of somebody, that's not a good reaction to the anger, but you could maybe step in. Or if someone cuts you up in the car, um, where you've been driving perfectly normal and then all of a sudden you're jumping out and you're going to teach him a lesson. That's not a good reaction uh, to anger. There's many Greek words for anger. The word used in this passage means long-lived anger. That's what the emphasis is behind it in the words of Jesus. Keeping it warm. You know, we've all done it. Uh, well, I have, and I would imagine you have. But where someone's slided us or maybe been a bit rude and you hold on to it, you think, I'm going to get them. I mean, I don't think that often. Don't think too badly of me. Um, but, you know, you hold on to it, and you're not letting it go, and it keeps you up at night. It festers. It seeks revenge. And, it, and, and in your mind, you can start, normally around 3 o'clock in the morning, all these different ways that possibly you could get back. That's the kind of anger that Jesus is talking about. When I was younger, I wasn't a, a Christian. I was in a pub once, and apparently, I don't know why I upset somebody. Uh, that's a perfectly reasonable assumption. I probably did, but I don't remember what I said. And I went into the toilet, and um, uh, without going into too many details, I was unprepared, and I got a whack in the back of the head, nearly knocked out. And this person proceeded, I couldn't defend myself, and he was pulled off of me, and he beat me up really badly. And I can tell you, me and my dad my brother spent weeks on how we was going to get him back, driving around looking for him. And, um, and then one day I went into the pub, and uh, he's a lot bigger than me, and um, we just happened to be at the bar together. He goes, look, I was out of order the other week. I'm really sorry, I'll buy you a pint. And it, and it all kind of went. You know, I wasn't a Christian then, uh, but those feelings. Imagine if we'd gone on to do what we thought about doing. I could be in jail or, or locked up or whatever, you know, for a moment of madness. It's the sort of anger that Jesus is on about. You know, as Christians, I'm a Christian now. I'd hope that I wouldn't respond in that way. But he's saying, no, don't hold on to this. You've got, it's damaging. And it's going to cause, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Anger can be used for good, but it's not to be used for bad. You don't want to let it fester, seeking revenge. Jesus says that these, those types of anger might go unchecked here. But verse 22, they'll be accountable in the court of heaven. I would have to answer 
for that. Jesus here is concerned about the anger that we really hold on to. And it really, it lies unresolved and it's eaten us up from the inside, plotting for retaliation, getting something over on someone until finally there's an outburst which is normally aggressive, whether it's in word or action, emotion and destructive behaviour. So how should we deal with our angry feelings? What do we do then? Because we know we get angry. What does this passage mean to us? I've got five things. They're very short. Don't panic. Um, But it's going to be pause and reflect. Think about your words. Train your mind. Count the cost. And then a better way. The Jesus lifestyle way. A better way to be. The first thing is pause and reflect. The character of God, Psalm 145 verse 8 says, he is slow to anger. I mean, God does, can get angry about all this injustice and everything else that's wrong in the world, but he's slow to anger with me, you know. And yet my character and your character, we can be so quick, so quick to take offence and retaliate. And the Bible's got words for that. Proverbs 14, 16, the fool is hot-headed. Verse 17, the quick-tempered do foolish things. You ever notice that? When you've, when you've lost your call a bit, you'll say or do something you didn't really mean. But it's too late. You can't get the words back and you can't get the action back. And God says, just pause. Just stop and think about this. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7, verse 9, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. If we get angry about the wrong things and retaliate without any thought, we're in danger. We've all heard the saying, haven't we? Just count to ten. I've met people that need to get to a hundred, and I've met others that need to go a few days, myself included. Sometimes you've got to pause and reflect and be a bit rational. Maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe just because you said good morning to someone at the door and they ignored you, um, they're doing the Christian fine. You know, they say they're fine. Fine. You get that? Fine. I'm fine. Fragile, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I sort of normally take that for And then I can let anything go. If anyone says anything to me, I think it's okay. I can give them grace. It's no problem. I do get offended. I do. But you know what I mean. You can try and put yourself in the other place. We never know what's going on in someone's life, ever. So maybe they didn't even mean it. But if you hold on to that for weeks and weeks, it builds into this big thing until one day they come in. They say, hello, Ian, I'll talk to you. Not talk to you. you, didn't talk to me two weeks ago, so I'm not talking to you. And it builds up and up and up, and it gets childish. It's not what God wants. And in an age of text and WhatsApps and emails, it's easy to fire off unguarded reactionary responses in anger. The good thing about letters is it used to have to sit down and write them, and it took a bit of time. You might sort of do it overnight, and the next morning you've calmed down a bit. Uh, but there's such an immediacy, uh, and you can't see someone's expression. Uh, when they're using social media. So we don't get the time to cool down. The immediacy in communication means uh, you have to sometimes say, pause and reflect and think about it rationally. Uh, wait, and then maybe respond, but only after reflecting. Then it's measured and in love. Once, those, once you've pressed send, it's gone. There's no getting it back. And uh, who knows the damage that can do. So just think, that's the first thing, pause and reflect. The second thing, think about your words. Jesus is showing us here that words are powerful. Words can be damaging. We've all heard sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie. I remember things that were said to me as a child and they hurt. Uh, from whether it's from teachers, I had good things, bad things. It could be from parents, could be from friends. Words do hurt. So we need to choose our words uh, carefully. And in this passage... Jesus uh, talks about that. He says, verse 22, anyone who says to a brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. And anyone who says you fall will be in the danger of the fire of hell. The word used here for hell is Gehenna, the Valley of Hinnom. It's a ravine south of Jerusalem where rubbish, they used to take all the rubbish there and burn it. 
It was dumped there and burned. And Jesus often uses the word as a picture of final judgment. It's saying that God will judge and is behind all judgment. I want to watch myself. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to pay the penalty for sin. Someone's done that for me, but let's not take it too lightly. And raka is an Aramaic term that means you've got complete contempt for a person's mind. It's like saying, you imbecile or you idiot. It's really derogatory. And the Greek word for fool that he uses here means you have contempt for the person's heart or their character. So the passage that Jesus is talking about is saying an utter contempt for someone's mind, their character and their heart, almost a hatred. You you despise them. He's saying that's not on. Everybody's made in the image of God and that's not on. Angry words hurt. They're normally intended to. When you say something in anger, you normally say things that you didn't really mean to say. They damage relationships. They can ultimately, as the passage says, lead to murder. They need to be checked in our marriages, with our kids, the things we say to our parents, the heat of the moment stuff. How many arguments have we had? You say, no, I didn't really mean it. It was just in the heat of the moment. We need to pause and reflect and think about our words. And, of course, there are times that we need to confront people. Sometimes discipline's needed. Disagreements need to be brought out into the open. Truth to be heard rather than superficial niceties, which normally means you're telling somebody else about it anyway. Um, But sometimes it needs to be dealt with. I had a friend once who uh, was a policeman. Well, he's still a friend, actually. Um, uh, And he's still a policeman, so that was it. Um, But there was another friend I had, and they knew each other. And um, it turned out, I didn't know this story, that the the policeman came to me and said, you know, we don't really want to see them anymore. Uh, Every time we go there, they put down policemen. They make jokes about policemen. You know, they're all corrupt, all wrong, and all this sort of business. And it's not funny, and it's not true. And I worked hard, and I don't particularly want to see them. Okay, up to you. And then the other couple came to me and said, we're really concerned that we've done something wrong. Uh, because we keep inviting them for dinner and they just don't even reply to our texts. And uh, do you know if there's any... And this is where it's difficult as a minister because someone's told you something in confidence and you can't say anything. I said, no, no, why don't you ask them? No, no, we've definitely offended them. So I went to the other couple. I said, look, they're aware they've offended you, but they're not really sure what they've done. Why don't you just go and speak to them? No, I'm not speaking to them. And so I've got two Christian families not speaking to one another because someone said something as a joke. They didn't really mean it. Someone else has got offended. They're not going to tell them why. And um, they didn't speak to her. In the end, I did get involved. And I went and told the person who was a bit derogatory about police. He goes, I was only joking. I'm really pleased for policemen. I said, you need to go and tell him. And he did, and he apologised. And eventually, uh, they were reconciled. But, um, but, you know, it was left a long time. It took him a while uh, to get back together. Personal growth means that sometimes I have to listen to criticism, doesn't it? We all have to do that without getting angry. As well as encouragement as well. Jesus doesn't mean that we suppress all of our emotion and feelings, but he is warning about reacting out of anger if you've been hurt or offended in some way. Being part of a church is a great privilege because I'd like to think there's a lot of honesty and we are called to be different as the world looks on. Countercultural, it should be a safe place of encouragement rather than anger, criticism or abuse. Of course, we're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. You may catch me on a bad day. I don't have many, but occasionally I do. And maybe I'll say something. I wouldn't have meant it. It's just one of those things. But we are people of love and of affirmation, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace, because that's what we've been shown. And so, therefore, we show it. And that breaks the viciousness that anger can cause. Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Time and time again, If people have been angry at me, it doesn't happen often. I don't want to sound like I'm getting this all the time. But a smile and a sigh, you know, I'm really sorry that offended you. It wasn't intended to. Something like that uh, can just calm the whole thing down. If you start ranting back, it escalates. 
Thirdly, train your mind. Verse 21 to 22, Jesus is showing us there the contrast between the law, because he said, you have heard that it was said, do not murder. That's the law. But then he's given us the heart of the law. Anyone who is angry. And so he's talking about Exodus 20. Moses said, you shall not murder. And he's saying that it's a false interpretation to say, just because I'm not doing a physical act of murder, I can think bad things for everybody and wish bad things on them. He's tracing murder back to the heart, the thoughts that might lead to that, uh, uh, that sort of action. He's saying, look, just get, just hold on to that, get rid of it. Tackle the thoughts early on so they don't grow into something worse that eventually result in ungodly action. Things build up. And as Christians, we, we don't need to let them. The fourth thing is counting the cost. When we do something out of anger, there's normally a consequence. Have you noticed that? If you do something, you know, very reactionary, you think, oh, I've said stuff I wouldn't have said, or written stuff I wouldn't have written. And, and the damage is done. There are consequences in this passage uh, to anger. Verse 22, he talks about the fire of hell. Verse 25, you could be thrown into prison. Prisons are full up with people uh, that have just got a bit angry down the high street after maybe a bit too much to drink. And um, there's a fight and there's one punch. But someone hits their head and now they're in jail for manslaughter. Uh, kids have lost their father, a wife, their husband, or whatever way around it is. It can happen. And so we need to pause and reflect. So we need to count the cost. There was a story of a cricketer named Bryn Derbyshire. Apparently this is a true story. Who had been given out LBW. So he wasn't happy with the decision. So he got in his car, reversed it at high speed at the umpire. And it says in the illustration, you got hurt. I thought, well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? If someone reverses a car into you, you're going to get hurt. He was taken to hospital. And then members of the opposing team didn't like that. Uh, but they didn't go after the drive. They just bashed up his car. And in court... Uh, Derbyshire, uh, age 37, admitted ca- causing bodily harm by dangerous driving. And he got a three-month suspended sentence and paid £400 compensation out. Afterwards, the umpire, Joseph Purser, said, I stand by my decision, he was out. <laughs> Once an email has been sent, or the word said, you can't get them back. They've been said. I remember somebody that was close to me, and I felt they'd sort of ignored me a bit, and I sent this, they, I hadn't heard from them for a couple of weeks, and sent me an email, how are you doing? And that's all they said, probably, and I, I, I had a two-pager came back, uh, highlighting every little slight, and uh, I just sent it. This is years ago now, and uh, it's, uh, it's, I can't believe, it's, I can't believe all this has been going on in your mind, and you've not said anything. You know, and I said, well, you know, it's been building up a while now, and actually I look back, so I kept that email to my shame. And when I read it, I thought, yeah, you little kid. I mean, it's so childish. And that relationship, although we, we sorted it out, it was never the same. It was never the same. That was another Christian as well. So we've got to be th- think about uh, the things that we write. Um, we need to pause, uh, maybe control uh, our minds a bit, control our actions. When I go on the tube trains, uh, not so much anymore. I haven't got a chair to show you. But you know those uh, people that get on a tube train and they, you know, I can't do it because it's going to be undignified, but they, they kind of take up three seats. Now, the legs don't stay in the allotted bit. You know, so there's the handles. Like, stay in your allotted bit, but they don't. One leg goes over there. And I'm, I'm very much, a, I'm sitting down and you're moving your legs. So I get down and boom, and you get a dirty look. You know, it happens on aeroplanes. You ever had plane gate? You know, and you're there, and the bloke's already in his seat, isn't he? And his, his, his elbows are like this. And I'm very much, well, no, that's in my space. So I'll get on there, and you nudge him, and Looking like this, you think, well, just stay looking forward. Don't make eye contact. We'll take off soon, you know. Um, it happens. I've seen people on tubes uh, result in physical violence because someone just got in front of them on the tube. It's ridiculous. It's all around us. And as Christians, we're called to be different. And it does have consequences. 
Don't let anger fester. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. He loves it when we, when we, when we mess up and we get damaged. And finally, we've got a better way. This is what verse 23 and 25 is all about. Jesus says, look, you know, deal with it quickly. Go and be reconciled. Sort it out. Don't be like the policeman and the other friends where they're all offended and no one wants to talk any. Go first, the Bible says, to your brother and, and ask him. Go first to them. Sort it out. Settle the matters quickly, Jesus says, verse 25. Nip it in the bud and then get over it. You know, we don't have to be so shallow that we're going to hold on to this stuff forever. Uh, Spurgeon said, a lean settlement is better than a fat lawsuit. Uh, I know someone who went to court for years and lost everything they had in lawyer's fees. And they said, I was right all along. And actually, when I listened to their story, uh, I think they were right, but they lost the case and they lost everything. Everything, their home, everything. Better to settle if you can. Engage in reconciliation. Now, in all of these things, uh, I'm really aware of my own shortcomings. We're all pilgrims on a journey. I haven't got it all worked out. I still haven't got it all worked out. But I know Jesus' words are for me as well as you. And I know I don't want to just be informed. I want to be transformed. And so I want all of us to really, you know, go out from this place and, and be a people. Be, but Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes we can stir things up. And we don't want to be that. We, if we're going to get angry about anything, let's get angry about the injustice of kids not being with their parents for the last three years, even though they're legally allowed to in Calais. Or, or a sense of injustice about the poor or the homeless. Get angry about that. Don't get angry because someone didn't say hello at the door. There's bigger things going on. And Jesus is really concerned about the other stuff. But we all need the help of the Holy Spirit. But pause, reflect, think about your words. Think about what you want to get angry about. There is such a thing as righteous anger, but there's also such a thing as unrighteous anger. Train our minds. Count the cost. Seek the better way. Even just the other day, I had an illustration, and it just showed me where I was. Um, But I was driving my daughter to get her train in the morning. And I'm coming up Radford Way, and I want to turn right. You know where the petrol garage is? I want to turn right into the station. There's a bit there, and it does annoy me, where you're not supposed to stop. The double yellow lines are clear. Everybody can see them. But instead of pulling around the corner and past the crossing and stopping there and let people out, a lot of people stop there, and then it backs up everything. There was a bus uh, behind it, which... uh, uh, was taking up a lot of space. It backed all the way up there, then onto Radford Way. So all the cars going that way couldn't turn in. All the cars coming this way couldn't turn in. So I'm with Kaylee. I said, look at that. That's one person who can't be bothered just to go up a little bit. And then the next thing I know, he's this guy, he was big, you know, jumped out of his car. thought, I'm glad I wasn't the one behind him who tooted him. And it was the bus that tooted him. And he try, he's trying to get in the bus and get the drive. And I'm thinking, this is quarter to eight in the morning. You know, and actually the man was in the wrong. But can you imagine if he'd got the drive? He'd probably be in jail by the end of the day. Just like that. Pause and reflect. And probably five minutes after, he would have said, why was I so stupid? Don't let the devil get a foothold. We've got a better way. Best advice given to me, I don't always take it, uh, but from uh, Mike's principal at Spurgeon's, Nigel Wright, choose not to be offended. Make it a choice. Some people, it seems to me, choose to be offended. Let's choose not to be And let it go a little bit and show grace. Slow to anger. Character of God is slow to anger. I look at all creation. I see that he sent his son to die for me. You might not know that, but he did. And we can talk to you about that. You know, when I look at this, I'm aware of my own failings. And thank God that he takes my sin, my guilt, my shame. Didn't we say, just sing that? And he puts it on the cross with him. 
and I'm saved from the penalty of sin. Thank you for saving me. What can I say? Amazing. He sent his son to die for my sin. He took my burdens and bared them on himself. And Christ one day will return. All things will be made new. But it, but, or maybe he'll just take me home. And we can see how great is our God for that. Amazing. The character of God is slow to anger. He has a righteous anger for abuse and the wrongdoings. That's the anger we want, the injustice. But he's a forgiving God, so we need to forgive as well. And Jesus says to us, with all of the world looking on, around his disciples, with him at the centre, blessed are the peacemakers. We can be peacemakers. Let's pray. Well, these words are hard to hear, and we know that you taught them. Uh, we're trying to get really behind the meaning of them. We know it's about our character. And as we've learned what it is to be salt and light in the world, I pray, Lord, that we can go out in the presence and power, the infilling of your Holy Spirit, the one who changes us to become more like you and be a different people in the world. That we can show what it is just to let, let some things slide and actually get really annoyed about injustice. When the world's view seems to be the opposite, we get sanitised to the pictures on TV. And if someone down the road jumps in front of us, we can get so angry. We know your heart for the world and the injustice and the oppression that goes on. Help us to be, have a righteous anger for that, not unrighteous anger that results in sin. Send your spirit to us and send us out to be different, to be your ambassadors in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.